Taylor and I, are we live, by the way? Hey, welcome Facebook Live. If any of you are old enough to, or old like me and have Facebook accounts, you can share this. So I got a Snapchat the other day. I have no clue how to run Snapchat. So if anybody wants to give me a tutorial on Snapchat, I could greatly appreciate it. So Taylor and I, one of our, we, we meet pretty frequently. So one of our meeting places is IHOP. Is anybody else like IHOP? Nobody likes IHOP. Okay, three people. So I always get the, the Rudy Tootie kiss my booty, and they always come with Rudy Tootie and Fresh and Fruity, if you didn't catch that. So, and he usually gets the, um, what do you usually get? The chocolate chip pancakes, which is basically dessert. <laughs> but one of the things that I like to do, and hopefully some other people in this room tonight, by the way, we all need to be in intercessory prayer over Justin, who in his top three chicken places, had Cain's chicken at number three. Now, I told him the Lord is being merciful unto thee, a wayward son, because everybody knows that Cain's chicken is number one with that sauce. And if you don't, I feel Jesus in the house with that whoop right there. And if you don't enjoy that sauce, then we'll get you born again at the end of this service and you can get free. <laughs> that is the Melinda? So anyway, so Taylor and I, one of our meeting places is IHOP, and so anybody else like, I, I have waffles here, but you like the pancakes there. Okay, now let me just tell you how I like the pancakes. Why am I always talking about food? But I like the pancakes because they have that whipped butter. Does anybody else like the whipped butter? Now, Taylor doesn't get any butter on his. And he'll need the Lord at the end of that. But you know what I found out, Bill Perky? I like the whipped butter from Benny Keith the best. That's good whipped butter. So anyway, I get extra whipped butter. And I didn't have any, but I get the blueberry syrup. And when I put syrup on there, I don't do that. That's just, you know, come on, get real. When I put syrup on there, is anybody, is anybody with me? Now, that's quite a bit of syrup right there. We ain't done, though. We are making pancake soup. What, now, when I put syrup on there, and especially if it's the blueberry. Does anybody else like the blueberry? Oh, praise the Lord. I knew I was with Holy Ghost people tonight. When I put that syrup on there with the, what do you call it, the butter on there like frosting, not just a little bit, and on each layer, who else does that? You gotta have the butter on every layer that I don't put it on there like, you know, I'm gonna I'm empty I'm going to have that, that wait staff cussing me out because I'm emptying the blueberry. Now, who else, who else likes their pancakes like this or their waffles like this? Anybody else? Are we done? Those of you that like it? No, we're making soup. We are going to have this thing swimming. In, now, who, who in here, because you are probably the same people that just put a little bit of jelly on your peanut butter and jelly. You probably put just a little, just, just put a little bit of syrup on there. Just a hint of syrup. No, no, come on now. We want to make sure that there is... Now, those of you that think that that's too much, raise your hand. Okay, we'll, we'll have a deliverance service at the end of this. No, I'm just kidding. So a lot of people would look at that and say, Jonathan, that is a waste. Who thinks that that is a waste? That's too much. That's too much syrup on there. So that kind of goes along with what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to read out of John, two places out of John. Let's first turn to John chapter 12 in verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Look at your neighbor and say, Bethany, 
where Lazarus, who remembers a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Lazarus, same Lazarus, whom, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here at a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those who were reclining at the table. And then Mary. Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive. Look at your neighbor and say expansive. Now don't say expensive. You got to say expansive. Expansive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet. And then she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, boo. So we do in kids' church when the villain, boo. Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't, this is Judas, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It is worth a year's wage. Can you imagine Mary pouring out a perfume on Jesus' feet that was a year's wages? Maybe today, I don't know what the, the median income is, but let's say if we had perfume that costs, I don't know, $45,000 for one pint of it. And can you imagine, now you, if you had that kind of perfume that was $45,000 a pint, you might just take a little bit of it and put a little bit here. Is, what, what, you ladies put it right here on your necks, is that right? And on your, why? Why there? So just in case somebody walks up to you and just starts sniffing your neck, or to, could I smell your wrist, please? I don't know why y'all put it there. I spray it on clothes. I guess that's the man way of doing it. I lost my whole place. He did not say this, Judas, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and a keeper of the money bag, and he used to help himself to what, uh, to what was put into it. Jesus talking right here, red letters, leave her alone, Jesus replied. When Jesus tells you to leave somebody alone, you, you've been told. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it is truth and it is life to us. So right now we take a moment to open up our hearts and receive all that you have for us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. If you've got your handouts, we're going to start filling in. If you need a Handout, raise your hand, and we'll get that in a pen to you. Your first in, is Jesus a waste of time? Now, many people that don't have a relationship with Jesus would, would say, well, this Christianity, this thing that you spend Wednesday, Sundays on, that's just a waste of time. Life will always hold back the outpouring of your life to the King of Kings. You will never be encouraged by this world system to take your life and pour it out as an offering to the King of Kings. Life will always say you need to limit. You need to, to, to be uh, conservative with what you pour out to the Lord. But not Mary. Not Mary. She wasn't conservative as all. We tend to have a guarded trust now, guarded trust is not something that we go around and advertise or we do self-reflection or we journal about our guarded trust. But many times, some part of our life, some area of our life will have a guarded trust when it comes to believing who Jesus really is. Mary broke that barrier and she realized that she could let her hair down literally 
in the presence of majesty. The enemy will try to get you to wonder if Jesus will do, if God will do what he said he will do. Don't raise your hand, but you, have you ever had that thought that, God, I'm standing on something, I'm believing for something, I'm trusting you for something, but in the back of your mind, in the back of your head, something just said, do I think he will really come through with what he said he would do? Let's first look at Judas on your notes. The first part is Judas. Judas thought it was a waste what Mary was doing. That Judas saw Mary doing like what we did with the syrup. And he looked at that situation and he said, that's a waste. He looked at the, the presence of, of God incarnate and said, what she is doing right there is a waste. Judas was missing the majesty of the master. I've been listening to, to uh, oh, my mind just went blank. Stephen Furtick too long. I found, look at that, all the M's. He missed the majesty of master. I'm sorry, that's as creative as I get. But in the midst of that, that he looked at Jesus's feet being anointed and his body being anointed for burial and said, that's a waste. He focused on the temporary and missed the keeper of time. That Judas saw that this is just a, a dinner, a, a, an event where we're just eating. This woman walks in, she pours out oil, a, a fragrant oil upon the Lord, and he's just thinking in the moment, and has the audacity, has the nerve, has the, has the chutzpah to talk about that this should have been sold to give to the poor, and he missed this temporary moment when he had the maker of all time sitting in front of him. He missed the moment and treated it as mundane. Now we're about to get to Mary, but he had, he had no insight to what sat in front of him. Now, but let's look at Mary. Whole different story. Mary knew that Jesus was completely worthy of what he was doing. Thus the title, wasted or worthy. That she had clear understanding in her mind and in her heart and in her spirit that he, the man, the one, Jesus, sitting right here at this dinner was worthy of what she did. Though that she was bowing, I love this, though that she was bowing before Jesus, majesty was standing on the inside of her. Some theologians believe that this is very, obviously, well, they, the timeline, they don't believe. That, I mean, they do believe that, that, that this is right before his crucifixion. But some believe that when he is crucified, when he was hanging upon a cross, when he was beaten to a bloody pulp, that the, that the anointing of what Mary did, you could still smell it on him in the midst of the, his sacrifice. She knew he was worthy. Mary's entire meaning, and this is, this is so powerful, her entire meaning of life was having his feet washed. Her entire meaning for life was she was washing the feet of her entire existence right in front of her. That she thought this isn't a waste, this isn't more, too much, this isn't out of control. She was, she was putting upon him all that she knew caused her to meaning. Her present and her future were attached to those feet. That, have, you, have you ever been in a place in life where you said, God, I have nothing left but you? 
Have you ever been in a moment in life where you said, God, I have no options but you? Have you ever been in a place in life where you said, God, there is no answer but what you say? And that's the same place that Mary said. She said, she said, I find my present existence and I find my future in this man that I'm anointing. But I like this right here, that her healed past received her worship as she wiped his feet with her hair. That this woman past, whatever it was, was what she knew that the man sitting in front of her, the man that, that her, her hair, his feet, they were touching, the man that she was pouring out tens of thousands of dollars in current day money of, of perfume on him, the, this man was the reason that her past was healed. I like this scripture in Hebrews in, in 12 too. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus if there's anything that we lack in today's world and society and culture and, and fast-paced life, we, we miss the fixing of our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer, I like the NIV, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That we're encouraged in Hebrews that one of the things that we do, and I think that there really are very few things that God calls us to do, but I know one of them is fixing my eyes on him. Let's continue on with Mary. Mary knew that she would never have this moment again to worship Jesus. This guy named Bill Johnson, he's a pastor of a church called Bethel, where we get many of our worship songs in California, and his He's the pastor of Bethel, and his father was the pastor before him, and his father uh, passed away not too long ago, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. I'm not sure of the timeline. And Bill Johnson tells a story about, he said, I was at the funeral of my dad who started this church, my dad who gave me this church, my dad who stepped down from, from pastoring and retired so I could have this church, and there I am at the funeral of my dad, the one that, that gave all of this to me the one who set all of this in motion. And he said, right at the beginning or right in the first part of my dad's memorial service, the worship band comes on and they're, they're lifting up worship to the Lord. And he said, I had, to, I had to come to this sobering reality that I am worshiping God in the midst of deep, deep hurt and pain. He said, I'm there having to lift up my hands and sing to the, the words to these songs in the middle of, of my dad." passing away and he said the Lord spoke to him and he said this Bill this type of praise this type of worship this is your only opportunity to give this type of worship to me because time will heal and you'll feel a whole lot different as you move on in life and then eternity there won't be any death in there he said this is the only time in your life where you can praise me out of great loss and I believe that's where Mary was. This would be the only moment. This would be the only moment that she would be able to sit at the feet of the one who was about to give his life and pour out an offering on him. This was her time. And let me make it plain to us. This is our only moment to do the same. She made the moment matter. The, 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 the saying, carpe diem, seize the day. The Mary is the ultimate carpe diem. 
That as she stood in front of Jesus, she said, I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to make this moment matter. She received the visible reign of royalty within her earthly realm. That even though she was tied to a planet with all of its misgivings, even though she was tied to a world that was without redemption at that point, that Mary found her place, and in finding her place before the king of all kings, she experienced the reign of his presence, that reign of his royalty. And she brought what happens when we worship God, what happens when we have merry hearts, merry heart, Mary, Mary's heart. <laughs> what happens when we have a merry heart is that we pull on that realm of the spirit, that realm of his presence, that realm of his throne when we pull on it and bring it to where we're at. What is it like to bless the one who spoke everything into existence, including the voice by which you bless him? Have you ever thought about that? That this voice... This voice that draws in breath and lifts up the name of the Lord. This voice that reaches out and says, God, you're worthy of everything within me. This voice is created by the one by which it's lifted up to. That if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have this voice. I wouldn't have this breath. What's it like for the creator of all things to receive your worship, to receive your praise, and you're praising with the very instruments, the very elements, the, very, the system by which he gave you? Breath and life. It's amazing. Taylor, if you'll come on down, I want to read you something else out of John. Sorry, I've got too much stuff going on here. Look at your name and say, too much stuff going on there. Oh, I had it already open to it. John chapter 6, verse 10. Have you ever heard the feeding of the 5,000 story? Jesus said, this is in the middle of that story, the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, the Bible accounts for the number of men that were there, and many people believe that there probably were that, just as that much women and maybe that many, 5,000 children at minimum. So basically, 15,000 people are sitting before Jesus. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks, the little boy that had, that had given his lunch, and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. Verse 12, and when they had had enough to eat, look at your neighbor and say, he's more than enough. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces. Watch what Jesus says right here. Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. That even in the midst of this, basically a feast of fish and chips, <laughs> bread and fish, that Jesus has the forethought, has the inclination to say to the disciples, even though everybody's eaten from these barely few pieces of fish and few pieces of bread, gather up what's left over. And he doesn't say gather it up. He gives a statement at the end of it. And the statement that Jesus gives at the end, he said that nothing, that nothing is wasted. So I went by Albertsons. Have you ever had their, their bread at Albertsons, their French bread? Is this just not a little just... 
piece of heaven on earth, right? Just right. Why is my obsession with food? You're like, because you're fat. Okay, so <laughs> we're working on that. So just imagine, Miss Sheila's not here tonight, so she won't get after me for doing this. That all the people have eaten and spread throughout 15,000 people or so are fragments of what Jesus had blessed. Nick, can you come help me real quick? Can you take this basket? You're going to be the disciple. You can pick any of the ones you want to be. There's one in 12 to pick from. Just don't pick Judas. And just go ahead and pick up the pieces there. So imagine Jesus giving them instructions. Guys, go around. Everybody has eaten plenty. A miracle has taken place. Did you get them all? Are you sure? Y'all give Nick a hand for being such a good bread picker-upper. I see culinary arts in your future there, Nick. You're going to be a master chef. You're going to be, be like, a, who's the guy that says, bam, Emerald Lagasse. I do that, but it's with cereal. I'm like pouring the cereal in there. Bam! Put the milk in. Bam! Usually I've made a mess at that point. It's about all I can cook. Peanut butter jelly. I make good peanut butter and jelly. Is anybody else a master peanut butter and jelly sandwich maker? Gosh, let's see. The presence of the Lord is back. After we've all repented for not liking Cain's is number one, the presence of the Lord is back. Jesus gives this weird instruction to his disciples. Go around, pick up the leftovers. The Bible goes on to say that there were 12 baskets. That was just a little basket we had. But 12 baskets of leftovers. You know, I, I don't know how that worked with the leftovers, with the bread. I understand the fish. I'd be telling people, you finish that. <laughs> I'm picking up that fish. You finish that right now. I'll pick up the bread, but y'all can... That nothing be wasted. In our lives, your next feeling, nothing is ever wasted with Jesus. Jesus will make sure the assignment of God on your life will make sure that nothing is wasted. And the disciples could have made the statement to Jesus. They could have said, let's throw it away. Uh, let the people take it home with them. Uh, let's let the birds eat it. How about that? I'm sure there's squirrels around here that would have a feast on all of this. But Jesus gives them instructions, pick up the remaining pieces that nothing is wasted because I think a principle was happening at the end of the miracle that he just created. And that principle was your next fill-in that he will make sure every piece, or as the Brits say, bit, every bit of your life significant. That what the disciples could have said, and maybe even the people in attendance could have looked around and said, what does this matter? Everybody's full. I think there's one thing that we tend to suffer from in Americanized Christianity is that we get full too easy. We get to a place where we're satisfied with what we have way too quickly and way too easily. And Jesus is saying, not only do I want to satisfy your life, but I will also take the bits and the pieces, what other people will say is rubbish and waste. And he said, I'll make that significant too. I like these last few right here on your fill-ins. Your, your temporary lack revealed his eternal abundance. 
Have you ever been in that place where you seem like you didn't have enough? You didn't have enough peace. You didn't have enough strength. You didn't have enough courage. You didn't have enough joy. You didn't have enough reassurance. You didn't have enough friends. You didn't have enough of, of a hope in your heart. And he will take that lack, those bits, those pieces that we think that he doesn't even care or know about, and he will take those moments to demonstrate his immense abundance. He will take your shaky trust and demonstrate his overwhelming strength. When I was little and I would pour stuff in a pitcher, you know, we always had these 50 pound glass pitchers at our house. And when I would pour, it would be, you know, sure tea or water or whatever, Kool-Aid was all over the table because my little no muscle arm was shaky. Have you ever been in a place in life where on the outward you seemed okay, but on the inside your faith was like this? Have you ever been in that place where outwardly nobody knew what was going on, but your hope was like this? And Jesus will take your shaky moments to show himself strong. He'll take your uncertain heart and made a way of a heart to a perfect father. My job, your job, is not to get your heart to a place of satisfaction and approval to God. That's not your job. As a matter of fact, your job is never to figure out your own heart. Your job is to find the heart of God. And in finding the heart of God, then your heart is well taken care of. And God will take those times where your heart is uncertain and direct you straight toward the heart of his Father. Here's the final wrap-up. Every word we say is either a wasted opportunity or a moment to declare that he is worthy. Every opportunity we have is either wasted or worthy. Every opportunity is, is an opportunity that out of my mouth will either come, I don't know, I don't, I don't understand, it's too much, it's extravagant, it's a waste, or out of my mouth in any situation can come out of my mouth that he is worthy of everything within me, that he is worthy of everything that my life is defined by. That he is worthy of every part of my trust because he is trustworthy. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Maybe you're in this place tonight and you're at that place where, you're, where your faith is shaky. Maybe you're at that place tonight where your world is uncertain. Maybe you're at that place tonight where you are, are in a whirlwind. On the outside, it seems okay, but there is a war being waged inside of you. I want to pray for you right where you sit tonight. I'm not going to have you come to the front, stand. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I want to pray for you right where you sit. With every head bowed, every eye closed just in this moment, if that's you and you're saying, Jonathan, would you pray over me in my situation? I just want you to raise your hand, and then you can put it right back down. Anybody else saying, Jonathan, could you lead me in a prayer right here? Father, I lift up every hand that went up. I thank you, God, for the truth of your word.
that your word is life to those who find it and health and healing to all their flesh. And so I boldly declare over them right now that they're not finding what this message says or what I've said, but they are finding what the Holy Spirit is saying on the inside of them that they are finding strength and vitality and hope in what your word says. And God, I ask for a reassurance that only can come through the Holy Spirit and that reassurance that, that you are trustworthy, that you are their strength, that you are their hope, that you are, the, that you are taking good care, that you long to demonstrate the heart that you have as their father. And so we receive that right now. God, we may not be going through anything right now, but we receive that for the next mountain that we face. We receive that over the next hill that we're to climb. That many of us might be standing at the bottom of a hill and not knowing what is in front of us, but God, we can have full assurance, full faith that you will be with us every single step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen.